Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, only on the home of Notre Dame football. Sports Radio 960 WSBT and WSBTRadio.com. Brought to you by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Sherwood Tire, Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, Pet Refuge, Centier Bank, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Michelob Ultra, OSMC, Imperial Furniture, Lozier, Pella Windows, and Hotel Elkhart. Yes, indeed. We're celebrating good times. Come on. It's a party at Eddy Street Commons, specifically a party at Credit Union 1, right next to Trader Joe's. Game day is here for the grand opening of the first CU1 branch in South Bend. We'll be here until 11 a.m. with shirt giveaways. We have some sweets provided by Martins. And the first 35 people that go inside to check out the new branch will get a gift card. So there's a lot going on. And... Not to be least, we have Mike Golick Sr. here for any autographs and a few pictures. Plus, of course, we're going to be joined throughout the show with a few former Irish players like we always do. we got star running back Lee Becton, and then local All-State, and then a member of the 1973 National Championship team, Tom Creevy. Oh, and I guess there's a game today, too, Jim? I've heard about that. Yeah. So your fighting Irish are taking on the Rebels of UNLV. I'm Tim Growl with Jim Arizari. And let's get right to it. Let's introduce the CEO of CU, Credit Union One Bank, Todd Gunderson. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. You've got it. We're glad to be here. So, Todd, tell us a little bit about, give us a little short history on CU One. So, Credit Union One's been around for about 65 years. We're based out of the Chicagoland area. Uh, we've had branches here in Indiana for the last 20 years. And in the last two years, we've created a partnership with Notre Dame Athletics, where we're the official bank partner for Notre Dame. And with that, we've opened up a branch here just uh, next to Trader Joe's and across the street from uh, the campus. We think it's a great location for the students as well as the entire community. So if if you come on down, you'll see it's completely decked out throughout the whole branch with a, a Notre Dame vibe. It's it's probably one of the most unique things and I think one of the uh, most supportive looking uh, Notre Dame, I guess, paraphernalia of store or bank that you're ever going to see. So we encourage you to come on down and check it out. You're also in Vegas, correct? Yeah, we are. How did that all just work out? How co- what a coincidence today? You know, it's funny. We ended up... Uh, w- we purchased or acquired a credit union out there, and that actually was part of the reason that we became uh, the official banking partner of Notre Dame Athletics was they wanted someone who had a uh, Las Vegas presence, and we sponsored the um, Shamrock Series. I'm sure those of you who watched the game and you were kind of wondering what the uh, credit union one was out there at midfield, that was us. So we were on the field all within the stadium and creating a presence. I think people would be surprised to find out the number of Notre Dame fans that are living out in the sure. Las Vegas area. So it's uh, more of a natural fit than you might uh, might imagine. It's just kind of 
fate that we're here today, you and LV here at the same time. Exactly. So hopefully it's the same result for the uh, Nevada team that they take a little ass kicking and we move along. If I if I can say that, you just did. Yeah, oh, it's all right. we're gonna we're gonna get into that a lot too. I I, I like your tactics. That's what we got to be. We got to be positive today. Here's a positive person, and he has a good relationship with uh, Credit Union One Bank. Mike Golick Senior. Mike, thanks for coming out this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Let me tell you what the uh, amount of pastries that you have here should make people come out just for that alone. I mean, especially students who, listen, let's be honest, it's a Saturday morning after a Friday night. Everybody needs some good absorption. This is the time to come over and, uh, and, and get it. The team did a little research and knows you like donuts. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and I know you like to sing, so all the songs today that I picked out are Hootie, Hootie and the Blowfish, Brand, oh. Brandy, all oh, well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice. we'll have a little fun here. So, Mike, you've got a, you've had a relationship yep. with uh, CU One Bank. Take a, take us through that, how that started, and what you guys are working on together. Well, I mean, um, for our golf outing, which was uh, in uh, the end of June, uh, Todd and Credit Union One, they, they were our, our major sponsor for the party the, the night before, and it was an excellent party. Raised a lot of money, as as Todd well knows, as he and uh, he and a guy I went to school with were bidding back and forth on these fatty scooters that are, that were driving around. <laughs> and uh, but it, it the the tournament went extremely well. We raised a lot of money, and we did it for our Golick Family Foundation. We did mm -hmm. it for four local foundations and charities in the area. We wanted to make sure we kept it in the area: South Great. Bend, Mishawaka, Chicagoland area. Um, that that was our goal. And after the tournament was over, Todd, you know, came up and said, "Hey, let, let's let's chat about this going forward." And and his idea was a partnership between Credit Union One and the Golick Family Foundation um, to further this, you know, to raise even more money and help even more people to the point of instead of us, you know, trying to decide who we want to help in the area, have them fill out applications, you know, of of their needs and everything, you know. So so you know. This was our first year of the Golick Family Foundation of the golf tournament, so Todd has a little more expertise in the whole the whole of it all. Absolutely. And so they, they came and partnered in of donating money to the foundation to go along with the money that we're going to raise uh, from the golf tournament and the application process to really, really open the door and help a lot of different, different organizations uh, in the area. Were you surprised at your golf tournament, how the response was to it? You know, so I played in those for years, and I've always... Oh, you're a golfer, too. I, well, you know, listen, <laughs> when you're golfing a charity event, <laughs> can you be a golfer? I mean, it's called grip it and rip it. You, know? <laughs> you get one guy to put it out there safe, and the rest of us just swing for the fences. I don't know how much that... It's kind of like the home run derby. I don't know how much it helps your game. Um, but we were, you know, so I've gone to those, and then all of a sudden I'm on the other end asking people, you know, and I always feel weird. You know, even though they're my friends, I played with them, played all against do, them. Right. You know, you kind of, and I was amazed at the response of people that said yes and we're going to come in for it. Uh, and and it, it just worked out so well. So, yes, I was a bit overwhelmed with the response. And it seemed everybody had a great time. We had a great uh, uh, young lady, uh, Mara, who, who runs the tournament and does a great job with it. And so it sets up. We already have next year set to go. So, you know, you try and get these to the point where they're kind of running themselves right. and people look forward to it every year. So it seemed to go off very well, certainly with the help of, of Todd and CU1, you know, to get that the party the night before. Because while you enjoy your friends coming into golf, the whole idea is to raise money. And that Sunday night event where you have the auction is where you really, really can raise that money. Todd? 
Yeah, I think it went really well. That night during the sponsorship, Credit Union won. We donated $30,000 to the cause to get the kickoff going. And during the conversation, you know, we walked over and talked to Mike and said, you know, this is something where we can make a big impact in the community. So what we've pledged to do is every year we're going to offer $100,000 to the local community, throughout the local community, um, non-for-profit charities. And we've provided a portal on our website for the application process. And I, I think I shared with Mike, within the first couple days, we're already up to 70 not-for-profits wow. or charities who have gone through the application process. So what we'll do is each quarter, we'll divvy out $25,000 to various charities where it might be we do one for a total of 25 or we pick five for 5,000. But here's the really cool thing is that if you want to support Notre Dame and the community, for every single debit card that you come down and open, so a checking account, what we do is we donate $200 to the Golic Foundation. Wow. So in addition to the 100000 we have about eight different debit cards that are geared towards Notre Dame, and we're the only ones that have them. So if you want a football view, if you want a Golden Dome view, if you want a Women's National Championship ring, whatever you know your pleasure you is, you can do that. But the cool thing is, is we'll donate, in addition to the 100000 we'll donate $200. So as much as people want to support Notre Dame and the charity, then we'll continue to do that. So it just gives us the ability to help so much more to go sure. along with the money our, our golf tournament raises. I mean, Todd and, and the group have been incredible uh, with their help. So the whole idea is to help people, and now you know with CU1 we can help so many more. We can really expand you know what we're doing. I'm born and raised here in South Bend, been around Notre Dame football a long time. It always amazes me, like back to airport season, they coach or play here, and then they end up and choose South Bend to be their home. How was that for making a choice? I know your whole well, family's gone to Notre mean, Dame, too. It was a little easier for me. The first time I stepped on campus was 1975 when my brother Bob was a freshman. I was 12 years old. So he played his four years here. Two years after that, my brother Greg came here. A year after that, I came here, met my wife here, her sister, uh, when they both went to St. Mary's. And then starting in 2008, my son went here. 2009, my other son went here, both played football. Then my daughter came here in 2012 to swim. So, you know, we, it's we've, a family affair. we've basically it's been family 70, pipeline, 75 we'll be to 2016. You know, we, we, so we bought a home here, and it's home to us. That's why... It was important. Listen, all, all charities or foundations are great to raise money for, but we wanted to keep it local. You know, we have seen South Bend when I first got here in 75 to how it's grown to where it is now, even the campus. I mean, right. uh, but really the surrounding area and how much it's grown and, and how much it's been home to us. So our whole idea has been like, okay, you know, if it's home to us, let's, let's help. Let's help the home. Heck, even just where we are right now. You know, just seeing this pop up. Well, none of this existed. You know, this, like, this, yeah, this was a field. Like, this, <laughs> this was a field, an empty field. There the was city a, limits were probably yeah. right there. Right. Well, there was an oh. actual, for those who remember, there was a road that ran between. I was just going to say, I'm so old. I used to ride, ride oh, down yeah. with my bikes down that road. And oh, stuff yeah, all the time. absolutely. So, and a lot, a lot of the millennials are going, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? It always wasn't like this? Yeah. It's like, no, no, it wasn't. My mom's 98, God bless her, and I bring her out here occasionally, and she's just blown away. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's seen even more of it than I have. Yeah, it's and you're right. There, it's, yeah, it is just incredible. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show on 960 WSBT. We're talking with well-known Notre Dame persona Mike Golick Sr. Come on by and see Mike. We're at Credit Union 1 right behind Trader Joe's celebrating their grand opening. And Tim, we got have you ever had father and son on in the same season? 
Uh, you know, it's funny. <laughs> Coming up in one of the games in yeah. November is going to be Terry Hanratty and Colin Hanratty. Oh, okay. there you go. It's right. funny that you said that. Okay. You know, that I've not had them on in the same season before, but you're right. Yeah. Good, good minds think alike. Yeah, right. I'm trying, I, to, trying to book I don't that. like when we're on at the same time because he's smarter than me and uses bigger words. My Bob? Son. No, my son Mike. <laughs> oh, Mike, 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 Mike. Gotcha, gotcha. Bob, Bob doesn't use big words. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Bob just gets into. No. I just ask him or start off the interview about uh, what is it? The, the Bell. What was the show that he was? Say by the Bell. Say by the Bell. And right away he yeah. says that's the only thing people know me about. I've done all sorts of other things in the NFL and college, but everybody remembers me by Save the Bell. It's the same with me and, and broadcasting at ESPN. People mm-hmm. people forgot I even played, which is uh. a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? It's the way it goes. <laughs> so Todd, um, what makes CU one different? Somebody walks in here for the first time and wants to talk to your team? You know, I would describe it this way. I think we have all the technology that you're going to see if you walk into a Chase or a Wells Fargo or a Bank of America, but we've got the local community aspect where we're going to know, not to sound cliche, but we're going to know your name. We're going to figure out what it is that we can do. I mean, our vision is that we want to help people and their families succeed economically, you know, and, and we think that that's really important. So I think that's the difference is how we go about it and sitting down and figuring out what your goals are and helping you get there. And both of you commended for helping. I'm on the board of a nonprofit here in South Bend, and it is just so hard. It's always been hard, but it's yeah. even harder now. Oh, Our yeah. cost, the heat, and everything else is just going up, and and fewer people are seem like they're donating nowadays, which I understand. They don't have the money. If, if only you had a way you could apply with someone that might be able to donate money to you, right? Wow. Actually, when I was doing actually when I was doing my research the other day, I called no our director, uh-huh. and she's putting in an application. So okay. there you go. But you're right. Less people, you know, it, it's tough now. Yeah. But but it doesn't change the amount of people that still need help. Right. So, Absolutely. Know, that's what we're trying to do. So tell me about uh, a little bit about how you got recruited. You don't mind? I would ask no, not at all. I, I, I love hearing it. I used to listen to him on the radio for, what, 17 years and Mike and Mike in the morning. So How I got recruited to Notre Dame? Yeah. Who would be the first coach that came, oh, came Jerry, to you? Jerry Faust. I okay. mean, Jerry Faust. I, I was the first commit under Jerry Faust as he was hired from Cincinnati Moeller. He, uh, I had, I had five trips set up. See, this is back in the back in the day <laughs> when you didn't take your trips until after your senior year of football. Okay. Now guys are taking trips in eighth grade. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's unreal. But you, you played your senior year and then you took your trips between like November and February, and then you, you know, made your commitment. And I had some trips set up <clears throat> for when my season ended. But right as my season was ending, which was right around Thanksgiving. Jerry Faust called me and said, listen, you, uh, you're, you're the first guy I'm calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have a scholarship to Notre Dame, full ride if, if you want it. I said, coach, of course, that's what I want. You know, my brother Greg was there, was playing here then. Sure. My brother Bob went there. I loved Notre Dame. I did try to finagle the trip, so I said, listen, coach. I said, I'm coming to Notre Dame. You know my family heritage there. We're, we're, I'm, I'm coming. I said, I got five trips set up. I said, any way you could kind of not say anything, if I could, I'm not, nobody's going to change my mind. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, well, it turns out didn't happen that way. They, uh, you know, got out on the, on the, the wire that I had committed, so all the schools called and canceled oh, the trip. I was like, oh, well, that's the way it goes. But uh, So, yeah, it was like on Thanksgiving of my senior year, I was the first commit under Jerry Faust, and we had a hell of a class. We had one of the best-rated classes for years after that. We had like 13 parade All-Americans. Mm-hmm. Now, wow. unfortunately, it didn't work for us on the on the field. Um, our best record, I think, was 7-4. and four. 
And, you know, a lot of people said Jerry was in over. Said Jerry's a great guy. But the bottom line is we're still the ones on the field. Right. I, I always put more on the players on the field uh, because you have to go out and execute. Players mm-hmm. don't – our coaches don't miss throws, miss tackles, miss blocks. Players do. Right. So it's a combination of things. But I, I, I actually put a little more on the players to make sure they're executing on the field. So there were some tough years, but Jerry's a, a hell of a guy. I mean, he's got just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal it, human being. Yeah, if anybody wanted to win – it yeah. was for Jerry Fowles. He bleeds Notre Dame. I've had the good fortune of talking to him a couple of times uh, by phone, never, never in person, and still to this day, he, he he's is. Just, he's just, and he's listen. At that point, Dan Devine was the coach, and it was interesting because Dan won a title in '77, right? But Dan didn't have that you know open, outgoing personality that I think Notre Dame, Notre Dame kind of wanted at all. Yeah, great yeah. team, great coach, open personality, and Jerry. I mean, the first day on campus, he's getting pizza for the students and stuff, and <laughs> you know he fit that bill. Unfortunately. It, it didn't turn out on the football field for us. Yeah, he, hit, he yeah, like I said, he he, he bled, uh, blue, he did. blue and gold. I he mean, did. and it's like I said to the, to this day, he, and he still has such a reverence for it. And uh, I don't even, I'm not even sure how old he is now. Oh this, yeah, these, I, yeah, I, I don't. I think he's still at Akron. Yeah, uh, he was in in the you know uh, up the AD level, uh, even higher than that mm-hmm. there, I think. But I, I remember our first game. We were preseason number five. My true freshman year, we played LSU here, kicked the snot out of them. And a couple of teams in front of us lost. So the second year, and, and we had about five or six of us as true freshmen that were playing. And then the second game, or, or so at the second week, we bumped up to number one. So the second week of my true freshman year, we were the number one team in the country. I'm thinking, we're going to win three national titles. <laughs> this is going to be awesome. We went to Michigan and, and got, got the doors got blown clock, up. Right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we were like... Oh, okay, maybe not. <laughs> so you were like Beano Cook that told, said Ron Paulus was going to yeah, run with three high two Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was feeling really good after week one of my freshman year going, this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Todd, you've been a Notre Dame fan? Or what, when you're growing up, what, what uh, team did you support? I've always followed Notre Dame. I grew up in Wisconsin, so, I mean, truth be told, I was followed the Badgers, mm-hmm. also the Packers, so as, as you would as a good Wisconsinite. But, you know, from the outside, you always saw NBC had the national TV contract, so you grew up watching Notre Dame, right. you know, regardless of what teams you followed. So I uh, had the pleasure of meeting Tim Brown when we were out at the um, – Shamrock series and I was joking with him how I drafted him seven years in a row as my number one pick you know for my fantasy football team and I always said well well right because he's got you got the punt return yardage and you know in addition to your normal so um I always had a vested interest in you know following the sport and following the team so if you have I have one Tim Brown story if you have oh yeah yeah. I love stories it was his true freshman year my senior year I was a captain my Mm -hmm. senior year we were playing uh, in Purdue in the Dome down there. Um, <clears throat> opening kickoff, Tim's back there fielding it. True freshman, mm-hmm. right? I mean, all, all the stuff you hear about Tim and everything. So he's back there right out of the gate returning a kick. He fumbles it. First time he's back there, fumbles it. <laughs> Purdue recovers on like the five-yard line, right? So we think our offense is going out there. The defense has to run out there. And so he's running out the field with the kick return team, and I'm running on the field. And, I'm, you know, I'm captain him, got to be, you know, mm-hmm. that, that guy, you know. So I stopped him and I look at him and I said, Tim, we're going to need you, man. you got a long career, 
first time, get it out of your head, don't worry about it. Okay, okay, okay. He goes away, I keep running, I go, that kid's never going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a good Jersey <laughs> Tower. <laughs> You're such a good Jersey <laughs> Tower. <laughs> I mean, are you, I actually said, I, I didn't say that to him, obviously. I was running right. away, just going. And, and thus ended it. your scouting yes, career. exactly right. <laughs> so, later on, so later on in life, did you ever have the opportunity oh, to tell him oh, that Oh, we story? talked about that. Oh, absolutely, yeah, because he gets asked about it. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah. He goes. I remember. He does. He doesn't. I, I. He didn't hear me say that. Right. But then I stopped him and said, "Don't worry. You know, you got a long career." And yeah, just as he was out of earshot, yeah, he's just not gonna make it. It's like, oh, Mike, college all, uh, hall of fame, pro oh, football hall of fame. Great job, Mike. Well, oh, well done, man. Man. If you guys don't mind, we're gonna take a break and bring Lee Beckton on. You guys can sign some autographs, take pictures, whatever. But then we'll get you back on. Then is that okay? Okay. Sounds, sounds great. great. Thank you. Thanks. All right, we're. Right here at CU1, behind the next two Trader Joe's. Take 23 down, turn at Howard Street. You'll be right here. We've got shirts to give away. Uh, there's a lot of donuts now, but Mike's going over to the donut table. So those numbers are going to decline a little bit. And half of them are gone. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be right back with former Notre Dame star running back Lee Becton on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. There's a little hootie and blowfish for Mike Golick Sr. here. I know he's good friends with uh, Hootie. We're Darius back here. Rucker. What's that? Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker. You yep. got it. You there got go. it. What do you got for us? Uh, Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, of course, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Also by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Centier Bank, Indiana's largest private family-owned bank, and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Learn more at feedindiana.org. And you still got time to get down here. We're at the south end of Eddy Street Commons, or you can turn off of State Road 23 and onto Howard Street. We're at the grand opening of... Credit Union won. We got shirts to give away. I what got a mine beautiful on. day. Where's yours? We haven't got yours yet. Do they have a uh, Do they have a two X? Do we have a two X? <laughs> Let me go check. We got donuts over here. Um, first thirty five people inside get a gift card. Check out the br the br bank branch. If I can talk today, our next guest is star running back Notre Dame Lee Becton. But CEO Todd Gunderson of CU Bank has a story to lead into. Before we talk, and then, and Lee's, he's not sure he wants to hear this story, but go for it, Todd. You know, it was a true story. I did not, you know, you were having Lee on today. And the funny thing is, is that Lee and I worked together in a previous life for the same organization. And you had asked my history with Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And so I'm standing next to Lee and uh, being a big sports fan all around, there were certain stadiums that I had wanted to visit. And Notre Dame was one, and I hadn't, you know, gone there yet. So I'm talking to our colleague and i'm like telling him god i'd really love to you know go to notre dame do taking the whole thing and lee's standing there like we'll talk to lee he can get you on the field and i said well how the hell is lee going to get me on the field <laughs> and you had no idea and because lee did not talk about that stuff okay. you know and so we're sitting there and they're like well lee was a starting running back for you know lou holtz when he was there at the time and you know mm -hmm. been on the cover of sports illustrated and i looked at him and i said so you never thought at any point in time you should bring this up during the interview process and say, hey, by the way, I'm kind of a big deal. Kind of says a lot about him, right? Though, right? He kind of shrugged his shoulders. And so, you know, later on we were having a corporate outing and everyone's like, oh, hey, let's play some, you know, touch football and stuff. And even oh, man. at that point in time, 
you know, Lee had had an extra 10, 15 pounds on him, but no one was taught. There was no touching Lee when he was right, running right. around. So at that point, you could see the skills. At, and I, I had an admiration from that standpoint because my, my athletic years had passed me by, mm-hmm. and, but you could still see that Lee had him. But it was just, I was amazed by the amount of humbleness that Lee had. And I don't know if you remember telling me the story about how you had sat out the first two games injured and Lou had very politely reminded you that, you know, you needed to get back on the field. And at that point is when you set the record for six straight 100 rushing yard games in a row. So I know a little bit of Notre Dame history. About you did. You like, took you took some of my oh, work, okay, so some of my notes right out of here. Right, so <laughs> it, it, it was. So it was. It was. I, I, I like. Eight, I like eight though. I had seven down straight games, hundred yards. But well, I'll take eight. Was it's, it's seven. It's seven. Oh, okay. all right. All right. All right. So I shorted you a game. <laughs> but it, it was Lee was always great to work with, and we had a great working relationship. And I just I, I really admired you know how he handled himself, and it's why he was so successful after his career at Notre Dame as well. Well, thank you very much, Todd, for those uh, <laughs> kind words. Uh, it was absolutely a pleasure working with you. Um, we definitely had some great times, and uh, it's 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 humbling and funny that you actually remember that those stories that I used to I tell. Told that sto- <laughs> I told that story to a lot of people because I'm mean, like it. I think it speaks to your character. Well, I greatly appreciate it. During that uh, during that touch football game, you know what. 75%, 60%, 90%. You know, it's one of those things you want to make sure everybody's participating, right? Right. And by now, everyone knows me. And, <laughs> sure. and so, oh, let's get the ball to lead. No, everybody gets to touch the ball. Yeah. Everybody gets everybody's to have fun. Everybody's got to touch it, yeah. yeah so. But I'd have to say, there is an aspect of you want to see how much talent he still has. <laughs> That's why you do want right. to have the ball. Yeah. like, okay, you can still see it. There wasn't somebody on the other team that said, "Oh man, I want to take, I want to take Lee back then. I can go home and s- tell him that." Well, that would have been Wednesday. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> that would have been Wednesday. That's true. He, he made it clear that he was an all-state linebacker, right? Place. And there's a difference between being all-state Indiana high school right. and yeah, playing right, on right, right. you know national championship <laughs> yeah. caliber team. A little, a little bit different, right? Yeah. Just a little bit. Hey, thanks, thanks, Todd. All right, my pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you in a little, a little bit. So, Lee, out of North Carolina. Well, let's let's start backwards. What are you doing these days? Wow. Uh, so I am um, sales manager for Waterstone Mortgage. I uh, we lend in forty eight states, um, and you know we. My primary function is to try to help as many people as possible um, purchase a home and fulfill their dream of home ownership. Um, it's extremely rewarding when you're able to help that first time home buyer buy their first home. There's nothing better oh, than yeah. the smile that they have. Um, <coughs> Yeah, so that's what I'm. That's what I'm up to these days. Um, Where do you live now? Uh, in Carmel, Indiana. But you come oh. up here for about every game, I hear. Pretty much. Pretty so much. what? Just love the campus that much? You got things you're doing up here, or what brings you every game? You know, there it, it's a little bit of both. I um, Notre Dame. Once you come here, it becomes a part of you. Um, the family atmosphere, the people. Um, you know that that feeling that you get the first time you walk on campus every time I come back I still get that same feeling and so that that constantly brings me back and you know there are some things up here that I'm I'm working on Um, you know we as a former athlete um, you see some of the struggles that former athletes go through uh, when their playing career is over and there's some people here I'm working with to try to do things to help out some help out former athletes Mm -hmm. Um, you know, kind of start bridging that gap between, you know, playing sport and now what are you going to do uh, for the rest of your life? Right. 
Lee's such a good person in a hot topic. So Jim doesn't know how I get guests, but this week, be honest, <laughs> this week, be honest with you, it's been really, really tough. I think the team, the way team's playing, or whatever. So literally, I talked to a hundred people that said no this week. So finally, I went back to Reggie, and he said, I think Lee Beckton might be able to it. Well, I'd already said something to Chris Zorich. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'll, I'll get Lee Beckton. And then I talked to Paul Berrettini, <laughs> who we used to work with, and he got me to live, uh, Lee Beckton. And then Paul says, man, I'm not helping you anymore. If you got Chris Zorich being your go-getter for your guest out. So you, everybody you, had it in mind. Do you have to pay out like three times the finder's oh, fees yes, now? Or, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm okay. in trouble now. I'm, go, I'm going down there to work the stand there for a while. <laughs> make some money. So now we'll go back to North Carolina, coming on North Carolina. Just refresh our listeners' memory of how you were re- recruited. I'm always interested, like the first coach, or when you came to campus, who's the player they assigned you, and things like that. But you went from a warm climate up to South Bend. That was a challenge, definitely. But uh, <laughs> my my recruiting uh, here at Notre Dame is an interesting one because I wasn't being recruited by Notre Dame uh, at the beginning of my senior year, and it didn't happen well. Notre Dame found out who I was the summer going into my senior year because I was at a University of North Carolina camp and Tom Lemming happened to happened to see me and decided that he wanted to put me in his top 100 book wow. magazine rather mm-hmm. and so he then tells the story that he called Vinny Serrato and said hey are you recruiting this kid from Eastern North Carolina named Lee Becton and Vinny was like nope never heard of him and so long story short Vinny ends up he's on in Jersey I have a good game he sees the information because it was in the USA today they Mm -hmm. were doing the prep honor roll and he sees it and decides to come down and take a look and of course back then you know there's no sending you know sending a video or nothing like that you know so he comes down everything's in person and uh he had to he watched the vhs tape and then he (laughs) took a beta tape back to coach holtz and uh, wow and beta tape and then uh they that's when they started recruiting me wow so how hard was it to get the vhs video onto the beta tape i have (laughs) no i have no idea who did you get to do that (laughs) yeah I, i I, I think they had that site, the machine where you put in the VHS and then you put in the beta and yeah. it copied over or something. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, so when yeah. you came up to South Bend, was there a, a player or players that you first met to kind of show you around? So my my um, host was Walter Boyd, who was from North Carolina, but he was from the I think the Charlotte area. So he was from one oh, of wow, the major correct. cities, um, but. He showed me around. Um, I do remember when I got here, it was after a basketball game I had, and it was absolutely freezing. They were practicing for the Orange Bowl, and they were practicing indoors. And I remember walking in, and I just see this human being just fly down the field. And I'm like, what was that? And, of course, it was Rocket. (laughs) And... (laughs) You know, and then I see this this guy hit this guy, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. No, that guy can't ever hit me. Uh, and, of course, it was Chris Zorch. Who, as far as Illustrated said, was the meanest player alive at that time in college football. Yeah, I'm like, this is this is just different. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they've got athletes like I've never seen before. But, it you know, it, it was too good of an opportunity from – 
a, a holistic standpoint where you get the best of education, you're going to play for, you know, you're going to play great competition, and you're going to play for a legendary coach. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. We're with Irish 1994 Irish team captain Lee Becton. We're here at the grand opening of uh, Credit Union One, affectionately known as CU One. We got donuts, we got t-shirts, all sorts of giveaways, and lots of fun. So let's continue with Lee. So last week, who was on? That was yeah, Chris was on yeah, Sports Chris Illustrated. Was on. So you were on that. What kind of ribbing or stuff did you get from the teammates or family or anything? Um, well, the, my my time on Sports Illustrated was not one of those good times. It was one of those moments where I did not want to be on Sports uh, Illustrated. Tell us, there's a story there. Yeah, it was uh, it was '93, and it was after the BC game. Uh, I was there at that game. Yeah, in the stands. so they, there's the picture is me being tackled by a host of. Uh, Boston College players, and um, yes, I'm on it, but it was not a, not fun being on it for that purpose. What it wasn't exactly planned. Yeah. Yeah. No. So <laughs> no. what was the caption on there? Why did they have you on? Uh, was it there? was down goes number one or something. Oh I, my, I, and, I, they, I and they had to put you on. Yeah, right? they had to put me on it, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was at that at that game. Week before, you guys became number one. Mm -hmm. The famous Tony Roberts called, Notre Dame is number one. And then that week, that and that almost became the biggest comeback of all time. It, Kevin it, McDougal was your quarterback, yep. right? Yeah, we, uh, you know, with a little bit of time left on the clock, I think it was like eight minutes in the fourth quarter, we were down 21. Mm -hmm. And with just over a minute left, we were up by one. Um, so we did some, some pretty amazing things in a short period of time. Yeah, then that. We almost had the interception at midfield. I can still, still oh. picture that. He had that ball, would have sealed the game, but just kind of went through his hands. They went down, did the famous kick, and that so was history. But you guys had a fantastic team that year. Because was not, even though you beat Florida State, they got the number one that year? They they ended up winning or being voted national champions. Yeah, no yeah. way, no way. Keyword, voted. Yes, right, right. right, right. Voted national champions. Um, you know, we... we you know, there was some precedent where we thought we'd at least share it mm -hmm. uh, because that's been done in the past. Right. Um, you know, but, hey, things things happen. Um, we should have taken care of things on the field and not left it in the hands of any voters. Yeah. So which which do you prefer, a playoff or voting? I think I know the answer to this <laughs> question already. Definitely a playoff. <laughs> right. Um, we, you know, at the time, you know, we, we thought that or felt that a great matchup and what a lot of fans would have wanted to see was let us run it back again you know okay. yeah uh let's let's try this one more time and um you know because we were we were playing very well we were playing at the top of our game and and they were definitely a really good team yeah. um so i i think that that would have been a better way to to uh settle things would you agree with a statement that I've always thought is Kevin McDougal is one of the most underrated quarterbacks at Notre Dame. Absolutely, uh, no no one talks about him. No, um, you know he he had this quiet leadership ability about him. Um, I mean, I I know at one point he held the per, uh, the passing percentage record. Yes, I right. Mean, yeah. He he his consistency and his ability to just make sure we were we were in the right play 
you know, calm the, you know, bring this calming presence into the huddle so that you, you know, you don't play outside of yourself. Um, but yeah, he does not get the credit that he deserves. And you think that's mostly because it was just one year that he was quarterback? I, you know, I, I think that, and, um, you know, Kevin was never one that wanted the limelight. He wasn't you know, flashy. He, he, he just wanted to go out and compete and, and, and help us win. That's what it was all about. So Lee Beckton's got to have a Lou Holtz story somewhere or two. Oh, uh, don't we all? Yes, um, <laughs> I love them. I've often said doing this show that I would like to write a book about all the stories and then take all those stories and go to Lou and get his side of every story that this player said. He might have a little different. He, he would definitely <laughs> have a different spin on it. But, uh, you know, I, I guess one of my stories um, is, and, I, and I, I tell people this because I think it's, it's a, it, it leads to – every everyday life and and things um but when we were practicing and it's ones against ones you know we we're doing a full scrimmage and i go and i get uh 15 yards against our number one defense you know excited sure hey just had a good play and coach Holtz starts screaming <laughs> and um i'm like yep he's going to the defense yeah. sitting in the huddle he's going to the defense <laughs> he comes and grabs me mm-hmm. What the? <laughs> I'm like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. I just got 15 yards. I didn't fumble. Mm-hmm. Like what? Right. And um, <laughs> so he 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 proceeded to ask ask me what are the steps for 24 zone, and I'd say, you know, I tell him what they are: open step, crossover, downhill. He said, how how big is your open step? I said, eight inches. He said, well, you took a six inch open step. If you would have <laughs> taken an eight inch open step, you would have scored. I said. One, how in the world does he know that? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he knew, um, you know, but it, it was one of those things where Coach was always about the little details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and don't worry about scoring. Don't worry about none of those things. If you focus on the preparation and the things that uh, lead to great execution, uh, the rest will take care of itself. And I don't remember, but was he the one that conceived the idea of having you carry your football around all over campus, or was your offensive coach? Or no, that was all my idea. Was it? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I uh, I fumbled in practice, and it was not pretty. And I was like, that is never happening again. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm. I just and I told guys, I'm like, you see me, try to knock it out, whatever. Uh, that was all me. I don't know if you know that. He carried this football around oh, yeah, all yeah. over campus, yeah. and they yeah. were trying to <laughs> knock yeah. it out. All right, before we let you go, speaking of n- knocking it out, this team can't seem to get any turnovers and stuff, but your take on the offense of the Fighting Irish right now? You know, I I think they're still trying to find their identity. You know, and you've got to figure out what your baseline is going to be. Is it going to be we're going to be a, a – a strong running team are we going to be a pass to run team i think we're still trying to figure out our our identity and and how we want to proceed um and and let that let that be what carries us uh to all the other plays you know so if, if you're if you're a run oriented team that brings into play action um and it brings safeties down and different things like that so I think we're going to be fine. Uh, we're just still trying to find our way. Are you a fan of 
running by group rather than just having a hot hand. You want? The, I never. I remember talking to Alan Pink. He said, "I want the ball all the time. Give me you, the rock." You know. You know. It, I, I was sitting there and I was uh, going back. I was looking through some things and I'm like, man, felt like I, you know, I, I, I had the ball a lot, but I literally only I was averaging maybe 13, 14 carries a game. Really? Wow. That's it. And you're getting 100 some yards with this little well, carries, though. There was it, yeah. good carries. <laughs> and and not that, now towards the end of 93, towards the end of the season, I was getting 26 carries and things like that. But the majority of even when you average it out, it still would average to about 13 to 14 times right. a game. And we were a running team. Ray Zellers? Know, Ray Zellers, right. Mark Edwards, Randy Kinder. Like, you know, we it had. Big, it was a big running back by yeah, committee. Yeah, yeah we right. had yeah. a lot of people that could. Could uh, could do great things, and I, I I think that you definitely need to have a primary, um, but you need to have others that can still carry the load. Right. Um, but I I I personally want the ball <coughs> the majority of the time, mm-hmm. but sure. I understand the concept of you know I, I don't like the word committee. I think you still need to have a starter, and that starter needs to get the majority of the touches. Uh, that seems to be what most running backs that I've interviewed say. They, that's exactly exactly it. So we're going to let you go. I'm sure you got lots of activities planned today. I I do got uh, got a lot of people to see, and uh, so it's gonna, yeah, going to be beautiful. It's going to be North Carolina weather. I know. I can't <laughs> believe it. But I'm like, am I really in South Bend right uh-huh. now? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's 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 good too. You know, he was able to show up on time too. He got through all the roundabouts down in Carmel. I know. Uh, <laughs> They're everywhere. Oh, my God. I, oh, I grew yeah. up down there, and oh. they just started putting all those in yeah. around then. And I remember nobody can drive through these things. <laughs> nobody, not not one person can drive through these things. And uh, is that still the case down there? I haven't no, been down there in a while. They are... It's Air? weird when you actually come to a stop sign. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's super weird. It's it really like, is. Do I, am I supposed to stop? Like, yeah. are they stopped? Yeah, it's... The last 10 or 15 years of coaching uh, soccer teams, we'd go down for tournaments down there, and it, uh, you're right. I, my wife would talk, we'd talk about it every time. It's like, it's a roundabout. It's a roundabout. You know? Anyway, those people are going to go through the roundabouts here, I thought. They <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lee Beck, then. We thank you so much, really, you know, for... Uh, especially at the last minute. And Not a problem. Thanks for having me, guys. You yeah. got it. Go have a great day. All right. Stay with us. We're back after a short break. We'll be back with Mike Golick, Sr. Jr., and Todd Gunnerson from uh, CU1 Thanks, on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, that's all we need our Irish to do today. They just need to move along. Move along. Forget last week, forget the beginning of the season. It starts right here, right now. Tim Grau, Jim Arizari on the Legacy Heating Air Day game show right here in a windy, blustery all of a sudden. Probably football weather for Mike Golick Sr. Oh, listen, I play in this any day. Nice and little cool. I'll play in cold more than heat anytime. And now it's not cold today, but it's cool on the cooler side. Give me... Give me, at the end of the day, give me 30 degrees over 90 degrees. And I'll take cool another direction, uh, CEO Todd Gunnerman of CEU. Really, that in there, that's a cool cool bank in there. I haven't been in a branch like that, and it just, you got to see it to believe it. It is pretty cool. They've done a great job of incorporating the stadium, incorporating the Golden Dome. 
into the uh, background. So when you walk through, you feel like you're either in the stadium or on campus taking a tour. Um, they've done a good job integrating the whole thing, you know, with the Go Irish logo as soon as you walk through the door. And so uh, we're really proud of it and hope you want to stop on by and see it. Oh, it's great. It's just like a continuation of campus. You know? It is. And because yeah. and, and it's just about right on campus. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Very visually pleasing. I always tell people when I walk into Eddy Street Commons, to me, it's almost like you're in a different city. Yeah. It's not even like, you know, South Bend. I mean, it's got its own own, own, own vibe feel to it. it. Yeah, vibe it, to it. Everything. yeah. Mike, any favorite rivalries that you had? Of course, you got the Michigan and the Southern well, Cal, but anything when you were at Notre Dame? I was always USC, mm-hmm. you know, for me. I know uh, when my kids were here, they were playing Michigan a little more. Uh, we actually played Michigan in 82 my sophomore year. It was the first game under the lights. Musco, the Musco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, bring the portable lights. Yeah, in. yeah, <laughs> but drive in the portable lights. Uh-huh. Exactly right. And my sophomore year, we won that game. But it was SC, you know, without a doubt. That was our rival uh, throughout, you know, I, I – um, whether they're here, you know, th- back when, when I, again, here I go back when I played, we either, <laughs> we either finished up in Miami or USC and we would always stay the night after the game because there would be a big breakfast that we would have to attend. That was the Los Angeles club of Notre Dame or the Miami club of Notre Dame. So there'd be this monstrous breakfast right up your alley that they thought would would be a great idea (coughs) except for the fact that you're letting college kids after a football game spend the night in a city in LA or Miami so we'd go to the breakfast the next day you know I mean uh, it would be rough at times oh man and then they just stopped doing that I just it just wasn't worth what may happen with you know 85 guys you know free in LA or Miami after a game so I remember when it was my actually my true freshman year. Jim Kelly was a quarterback at the U. He was a senior, and they beat us pretty good in that game. And at the end of the game, I was in there, and they knew we were staying. And, and on the field, as they're running out the clock, they're like, "What are you guys doing tonight?" And we're like, "You know, really? got no real plans." They're like, "Well, we we do we do this party on the beach, <laughs> oh you know." So we wow. went over there, you know, and and uh, a, lot, a lot of the U fans were like, or. Or students were like, what the hell are these guys doing here? And the football players from the Miami were like, oh, no, they're fine. You know, we're coming in. We hung out with them. So it was, it was pretty cool, actually. The, uh, the breakfast food bill must have been astronomical. Uh, again, you know, it was one of those. It was one of those where it was good, but it just wasn't worth it. I right, mean, right, yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. just was not worth the time. You got stories like that, Todd, in your athletic career? <laughs> no, no, we did not do anything. I played basketball, so we couldn't do the damage into a buffet. We only had twelve people as opposed to, to eighty-five. But we, uh, the only thing that we had happen is that we used to have a pizza buffet, and we were asked to leave, or they did the, you know, you eat too much, you go home now, um, you know, because. Uh, which is unfair. Show it, me where that it, is in writing. Right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. tell me where I'm You want me to get my lawyer? I'll bring yeah. it right now. Uh, that, should, that should be on the door right underneath. It says, no shirt, no shoes, no service. It says exactly. all yeah. you can eat, so it's that means I can continue eating. Yeah. So that's about the best I've got to offer. <laughs> what about, and we got about 30, 40 seconds, and we got to go to a hard, get yep. ready for a hard break and, and stuff. I want to go back to Southern Cal uh, real quickly and stuff. Were you a trash talker in college? No, I was not. I was one. Did of those they even allow? I mean, was Jerry oh, like? Sure. No, no. Jerry would not have liked it. Jerry right. never swore or anything. Okay. But we had we had guys that could trash talk. My thing is, the further away from the ball, the more you trash talk. We mm-hmm. as linemen needed oxygen after every play, so I wasn't going <laughs> to waste it swearing at somebody. My my trash talking was usually two words, and they weren't very nice words. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll say something. Yeah. Right now. We'll, we'll just let it, we'll just yeah. let it lie, lie right now. 
Yeah, we're going to go up against a heartbreak to close the first hour up. We'll see both you guys after yep. we start back. Mm -hmm. All right, we appreciate it. We'll be right back on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show on Sports Radio 960 WSBT and streaming at the WSBTradio.com or through the WSBT Radio app. Legacy Heating and Air Game Day brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Also by Sherwood Tire, your one stop for complete auto care at the corner of US 30 and Oak Road in Plymouth. Also by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. There's still time. Walk over, drive over to the continuing of the grand opening of festivities at Credit Union 1, south on Eddy Street Commons. We'll be back with Mike Golick Sr., and Tom Creevey. It's back to that positive thinking. We got to have it today, Notre Dame fans. Last week's gone. This week's here. Let's root Notre Dame to a victory over the Rebels of UNLV. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. We're here at Credit Union One, the grand openings. People are milling around. We've got some good donuts. Is, uh, Mike, is there yeah, donuts left? Yeah, quality donuts. There are some donuts. The, the, the amount of donuts that they have bought is incredible. I mean, so come on down. Uh, it is an absolute feast. I bet you. I bet Mike Jr. would like some of those. Donuts yeah, he would. Too. too bad he's not here. He's on his. He's in Penn State right now, getting ready to call a game, so he didn't get any of this. <laughs> Welcome back to the second hour of the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show. Tim Grau with Jim Irizarry. Matt Embry is producing back in the WSPT studios. We're so glad you're taking time to join us today, whether in person or listening. We're just four and a half hours away from kickoff, right here on WSPT. Stay here. Don't go anywhere, because immediately following game day at 11 a.m. will be game day sports beat, powered by Michelob Light. That leads you into the network pregame show and then kickoff at about 2.38 p.m. And your coverage is not over after the game when our own Jim Arizari and Reggie Brooks take on the official Notre Dame postgame show, all on Sports Radio 960 WSBT through the WSBT radio app and streaming at WSBTradio.com. We're going to have one of these home games actually have like a fun postgame show, too. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Thinking a positive. A win would help. Exactly, Mike, yeah. Mike, you know Reggie Brooks? Very well. Well, so Jim has to deal with a depressed and, and, yeah. fight and a feisty after a lot of these things. <laughs> it's tough. What yeah. was it What was it last week, Jim? Uh, it was more It was more angry more than anything. It, it, like, he, he was really kind of upset about it. Yeah. So I think a lot of people were. That was, yeah. that was a surprising one. I, I did not, I'm going to be honest, I didn't see that one coming. I thought... Coming off three wins in a row, we were right. kind of rolling yeah. a little bit. You, you could see where the deficiencies are, but still, you know, you're starting to roll and starting to improve, and boy, oh, boy, this was just a – that was an ugly, ugly game. It was. They, I would have expected that more no. against Ohio State yeah. Yeah. <laughs> than yeah, this, later this, uh, on. Yeah, tough one. CEO of uh, Credit Union 1, Todd Gunnarsson, is here. Todd, talk a little more about uh, your credit union. How long have you been with Credit Union 1? So I've been here as CEO for five years now, uh, Credit Union 1 in banking industry for going on 30 years. Um, we've been around 65 years, and you know, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we've got a nice partnership now as official banking partner with Notre Dame Athletics, and we've had the uh, pleasure of having Mike Golick Sr. here as our uh, spokesperson to uh, create some awareness around the partnership, and as your 
sharing very well today. We've got the new branch opening, which uh, is right here off of the Eddy Street Commons and, and looks like an extension of the, the university as well as the football stadium and some other things. Um, we've had the uh, pleasure of partnering with everybody at Notre Dame from the athletic director all the way down to create support. Uh, we're actually in the process of doing a NIL deal, the name, image, likeness, oh. uh, with actually all of, I guess, kind of cats out of the bag we're working to do uh, with all the student athletes. So not okay. just one, you know, you see right. a lot of them trying to do one big one, and we thought, you know, what if we went ahead and did it for all of them? Even That's the fantastic. Non, even the non-revenue driving, whether it's, you know, the women's softball team or, or you know, golf or things like right. that. So our goal is to figure out a way to get all the athletes. But as a part of that, what we're doing is requiring the financial education and literacy that goes with it. You know, Mike and I were talking that, you know, when you're in high school, they don't even teach how to balance a checkbook. You know, you get right. sent away to college yes. and just little simple life skills like that. And all of a sudden you're thrown into a college environment and you've got money coming in through different things and sources. So we think it's important to create that environment. I think it's a reason why we've partnered very well that, the athletics is great, but I think Notre Dame's known just as much for, you know, the academic piece of it. And so as much as we want to have a partnership with athletics, we want to create the financial literacy partnership as well. And the thing I like about that is the whole NIL thing is, you know, in, in talking about it, people, there are some people that hate it and some people that, you know, like it and others indifferent. But my point is no reason to complain about it. It's not going away. So right. how right. do you deal with it? Right. How do you yeah. work with it? So, you know, to Todd's point, you know, to be able to help all the student athletes, but and I agree about the you know financial literacy of, of understanding you know the 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 task of a balancing a chess checkbook or right. things like that. I mean, that's that's going to be even more important now as as these college athletes can earn some money are going to be dealing with money. Quite, quite honestly, they should be doing this in high school. Uh, so I agree I, with that. I, I think yeah. with I think with the NIL, it's just it's here. The transfer portal, it's here. So no sense to complain about it. Learn how to deal with it and work with it to help you help your team best you can. So I'll ask you if NIL would have been around, which restaurant, food group, or whatever would you like to have been your? Well, I would be hoping my senior year, once I was 21, the linebacker, I could have been. <laughs> a, uh, I could have been. You know. <laughs> Did you ever go down to CJ's for burgers? Uh, CJ's. You know, when I was here. We didn't, it, that wasn't, it was Corby's, and not the oh. Corby's that's here now. It was no, no, Corby's, I, the Bridget's, the Commons, five yeah. points. So, I used to walk around all oh, the yeah, bars. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, so that would have been it, but linebacker was closest. So right. it yeah. could have been Corby's. I wouldn't have cared. It would have been fine by me. And then tons of different restaurants. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, uh, it, it definitely would have tried for something. Uh, and, and I love the. I love when they do it, like what Todd's saying, do it. In, in, a, in a group. There are always going to be the individual players, and then this works everywhere. This, this is life. You know, your best workers, right. whether right. it's out of sports or in sports, are going to get more a lot of times. That's just the way it works. So when you can be inclusive to everybody, I think that's pretty cool. Isn't that – Iowa doesn't include the, all, all the students, but they – whatever NIL for any player goes into a big group and they – divvy it out equally. I think that's what I've yep. heard about. In Iowa. Miami, they did, someone oh, did really? the whole, foot, whole football team. I don't okay. think all the students, but I think right, the right. whole no, that's football, what I, team. Yeah, football team. So, you know, and I like when they do groups. Like, I know uh, the whole old line got a deal last year, and uh, so it's pretty cool when they do it, because one of the unintended consequences of it, I don't know how it goes on, but especially if you get individual players getting stuff and others aren't, is there animosity in the locker room for Correct. it? Right. Now, right. again, players know better than anybody the pecking order of where they are. Mm -hmm. So you understand the stars, like a Michael Mayer, is going to get, you know, 
tons of deals. Sure. And you understand that. You can't sit there and say, oh, why is he getting a deal and I'm not? Well, you know, there, there's a reason. Well, he's, kind of, <laughs> he's, he's kind of one of the best players yeah, in the Yeah, it's country, exactly right. So, yeah. yeah, it's exactly right. But there is the opportunity, as, as Todd said and others have done it, where you do it for an entire group. So, you know, you don't, you don't have any of that. So doing my announcer bit here, how do you feel about – how it impacts the team where what is it the fresh the kid who he hasn't even played it down he got the million dollar uh trading card deal out of all yeah. you know the, you know all of a sudden he shows up hasn't taken a snap mm-hmm. oh yeah and that's where I, I have to imagine that's creating some dissension well, in the locker room before you even set foot it, it was kind of like before the um rookies in the nfl had a rookie wage scale uh they were paid i think the last guy paid before the rookie wage scale was sam bradford yeah. was guaranteed $50 million. $50 million. Uh-huh. So, yeah, you walk in, never ever played any down, and you know you have $50 million in your pocket. Yeah, certainly, you, you know, others are going to, when you're unproven in the league, but that what you have to do is you have to step back and you say, okay, this is what this is what it bears right now. This is how it works. Now they've cut it down to the rookie weight scale. But, yeah, so you're in the new part of an 18-year-old coming in, never stepping on the field and having, you know, what, what is Arch Manning? going to command when he goes to Texas. So, you know, so, yeah, I mean, but, again, you have to step back and say, okay, they were the stars coming in. They're going to get the money. That's just the way it works. Doesn't mean there isn't going to be animosity and jealousy because we're all human. That's Mike Golick Sr. We're with Todd Gunderson, CEO of uh, Credit Union One. Todd, before I let you go, and we're going to visit, we're going to talk about Mike's pro career a little bit. Who made the executive decision to build next to Trader Joe's? Because everybody, I think I'm the only person in Indiana that has ever been to Trader Joe's, but everybody knows oh. around Talisman. You know, I got to tell you, sometimes <laughs> my dad had a saying, lucky, you know, sometimes better lucky than good. And we initially, we were going to be right down the street here in the Eddie Street Commons in the bookstore. Oh. And uh, we were going to have a little micro site. And then we kind of thought, well, that's really dependent on people walking in. It didn't work out. And they're like, hey, how would you like to be next to Trader Joe's? And I thought, well, how many college, you know, and you, and you saw when they opened it up, there sure. were kids lined yeah, up outside right. the door, yeah. Yeah. and we're trying to attract that. And I'm like, you know what? We could settle for being next to Trader yeah. Joe's. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll take one for the team. So. Twist our arm. Right. Yeah. So it actually, it turned out, you know, extraordinarily well. We think if we got a great location, you know, and with the street, you know, it's it's a great location next to campus as well as being a part yeah, of the community. Walk or drive, are, right? Right. Yeah. So it turned out we were, we were very fortunate. But my dad asked another thing and said, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So yep. I think sometimes that uh, off, that played in. Hard work. You got I'll, it. I'll take luck. We'll talk to you in a little bit. We're <laughs> going to talk pro, pro football career. Oh, boy. The life and career of Mike Golick, huh? <laughs> wow. That Mike Golick, a, this is your life. Look at how much study research material I got here. Yeah. So let's just talk football. Yeah. Tell me your transition from college to pro. How'd that go for you? Well, you know, I, I after my junior year, things things went pretty well. I got voted captain here, which was such an honor, and, and things were going well on the field to where the projection was to be, you know, in the upper part of the draft, you know, maybe like the end of first or the second round. And then the first game when I told that story about Tim Brown against Purdue, well, I actually got hurt in that game. Mm. And I, I should have – had a shoulder surgery and and redshirted, mm-hmm. but I kind of didn't. It was one of those I kind of grew up in the era, era of 
you tough, tough it out tough. and you play. Just rub some dirt in it, yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. never played more than a half the rest of the season. Did they have much red shirting back then? No, no, yeah, not at all. Okay. Right. Um, so I just stuck it out and played, and then after the season, I had shoulder surgery. And then I went to the Combine. The Combine then, uh, you know, now it's at Lucas Oil in Indy. They and didn't it's, have a, Lucas. it's a big <laughs> They didn't have yeah. it at Lucas Oil in yeah. Indy. They right. didn't even, that wasn't around. We had it at Arizona State outside. Mm-hmm. And I went there, and I couldn't do anything because I just had shoulder surgery. Uh, so I ended up going in the tenth round. There were twelve rounds in that in that draft. Right. Then they didn't have pro days at colleges back then either, did they? Uh, like, yeah, they did. Oh, they they did. did. But okay. I went to but I went to to the to the combine. Okay. But I still couldn't do anything because yeah. because of, sure. of the surgery. Uh, so I ended up going in the tenth round. So little little tougher road uh, to make. But you know it worked out. I ended up breaking my ankle my rookie year, so I was on IR, and then ended up playing nine years. Uh, the transition is is hard. I mean the. Probably the biggest thing you hear most people say is, and it's true, it's the speed of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, in college, you play against a lot of great players, but there's ups and downs of, 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 of competition. Right. In the NFL, I mean, no everybody way. everybody is, is a great player coming in. And I was a – I wasn't one of the great players. I was, you know, average to above average. And, and so, you know, you're probably – Four to five years of my nine years, I, w- I felt comfortable in camp. I knew I was going to be on the team and starting and, and playing. Where the other years, you know, you're trying to make the team and, you know, you're waiting for those last cuts to go by. Right. Uh, and then it's always funny. People say, well, when did you retire? And I said, well, for me, mostly how it works so people understand the league retires you. You don't retire. <laughs> right, right. right. So, Not your choice. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. In 93 is my last year with the Dolphins. And in 94, I was a free agent. Miami cut me. And nobody, I, I, I was worked out and I ran for a couple of teams and they didn't sign me and then nobody called anymore. So your career's over then. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, so I retired uh, in 94, but um, I, I, I loved it. Our time in Philly, we loved the most. That's I was going to ask you most. about playing yeah. alongside Reggie. Yeah, I mean, Reggie yeah. White, Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, Mike Pitts, those guys on the D-line, they were such great. And this was before free agency. So we were all together six, seven years so we became really good friends as far as well as teammates as well, uh, and we were very close on defense. We had a great defense. I mean, wow, unbelievable I mean, defense. That line I mentioned, then Seth Joyner, Eric Allen, you know, Wes Hopkins, Andre Waters. I mean, it was a who's who. Yeah, as, a, just, as a Giants fan, I uh, oh yeah, <laughs> my, yeah. I, I would always hear my dad use the most colorful language yeah. describing the Eagles <laughs> those defense. Are, those are some games. Yeah. Though I will say, when we ever we played the Giants. We would see more yellow security jerseys moving around in the stands, <laughs> yep. breaking up fights between Giant fans and Eagle fans. It was, it was hilarious. Oh, so uh, in, in those years at Philadelphia, they always say the Philadelphia fan, man, they're, they're crazy. I mean, they love their football. Well, they are. They're very passionate. You know, and I played in the vet, which was I, – I played for three teams, the Houston Oilers, Philadelphia Eagles, the Miami Dolphins. And two of the teams I played for, they blew up the stadium, the, the Astrodome <laughs> and the vet. Because uh, the vet was, I mean, horrific turf to play on. You're They're, saying there's some correlation? You're, you're saying oh, that you, play, you uh, played there and then they blew no. up the stadium? <laughs> it was The fans there are great. They are very passionate, though. Yeah. You know, if you're not doing well, you're going to hear it. And that's fine. I got no yeah. problem with that because, in all honesty, I was there for a number of years and then went to Miami. When I was there my one year in Miami, we were 9-2 and two after 11 games. We had the best record in the NFL, and we couldn't sell our games out. Wow. Which yeah. was the ap- wow. there was a lot of apathy there. It wasn't wasn't great from the fan side of it. Philly, you'd never have that. Right. I mean, they're just rabid there. Yeah. Think about what's going on now in Philly. Oh, you have an undefeated team. Yeah. You have the Phillies in the uh, NLCS <laughs> right now. I called the uh, 
the uh, uh, Cowboy Eagles game last Sunday night. Okay. Friday the yeah. Phillies played. Saturday the Phillies played. Sunday the Eagles played. I mean, so yeah. those fans are really getting to enjoy it right now. Did you ever have anybody that uh, really gave you the toughest competition on the offensive line that was blocking against you? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if it was when I was with the Houston Oilers, we played Cincinnati twice a year, Anthony Munoz, Mm -hmm. you know, probably the greatest left tackle of all time. We played against the Dolphins, Dwight Stevenson, uh, one of the great centers. He's in the Hall of Fame. Played against Mike Webster, uh, who's in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, yeah, I've gone against – more, you know, and I was brought up with you may lose a play, but you go back and win the next play, you know. So you get your butt kick, you line up, and you try and win the next play. And uh, but yeah, there was there was some great linemen I played against for sure. You played with some of your former Notre Dame teammates from college, correct? Yeah. Was Alan Pinkett on the Houston Al- team? With Alan you? Pinkett was on the Houston team with me. Mike Kelly, who was my one of my roommates here, he was an offensive lineman. He uh, was with me in Houston, and then later on came to, came to Philadelphia. Uh, but yeah, Allen was uh, was me with me in Houston. Yeah, and then you might have played. Did you play against Mark Bavaro when he was? Oh yeah, with, Mark with the Bavaro. Gi- you were playing at the same time, yeah, right? Yeah, we, well, so you yeah, guys we, played twice a yeah. against, twice a year. Yeah, we played played against each other uh, twice a year. Now I didn't didn't hit him much, you know. As in, right. I was an interior D lineman, he was a tight end. But one of without question one of the toughest players I've ever seen play in my life. Larry Williams, who was a captain with me here at Notre Dame, I played against him when I was in uh, when he was with the Browns and I was with Miami. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you play. It's interesting. You play with guys, and then all of a sudden you're playing against them. You play against guys from like USC and Michigan, and all of a sudden you're playing with them. You know, <laughs> at the next level. That's just kind of how it works. After those games against against the former Notre Dame players, was that some of the first people you looked oh, at yeah, across the field? Oh yeah, without a doubt. When you spend time together as teammates, I mean. You know, there's that life bond, you know, through sure. sports. So, yeah, you always, you always see them after a game. After uh, af- you, you talked about, uh, you know, having to play with guys from USC, from yeah. Michigan. From, were there any interesting side bets that happened whenever Notre Dame played? Oh, there's games? always bets. There's always college best, bets. Best well, one. Like when, when, <laughs> um, when Tennessee played Notre Dame, and I was in Philly, Reggie White went to Tennessee, mm-hmm. and – the loser had to sing the fight song, and I had to sing Rocky Top with like a <laughs> Tennessee hat on, and yeah. and uh, yeah, that was. That's usually what it involves. It usually involves wearing something sure. from the uh, that like I had a bet against one t- when I was in broadcasting at ESPN. I had to wear an Ohio State shirt one time. I think I had it with a Chris Spielman. I think okay. I had a bet with, and uh, so yeah, there's always those little bets that come. Who's on. the woman basketball a- analyst that you guys would have? Rebecca bet Lobo for Connecticut, right? When Notre Dame women play <laughs> the Connecticut women. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't fare well in a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. That didn't go well. All right, Mike. Uh, if you don't mind, come back in a little while. Yep. We'll catch you before you have to head out and have a fun day. Yep. We appreciate you every time. All right, sounds good. Thank you. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We'll be right back with local All-State former quarterback in 19 early 1970s who ended up and played on the 1973 National Championship team. And that- Touching warm. Touching me, touching I just had to put that song on today. Make every yeah, make it that's right. It makes everybody happy when they sing in that. 
So we're back at the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show. We're live outside Credit Union 1. Take 23 to Howard Street and turn right, and you'll see us right next to Trader Joe's, like I said previously. Everybody knows Trader Joe's. Have yep. you been in Trader Joe's? Yeah. yeah oh, my. So I'm the only one in town that's ever been in Trader Joe's. They're, they're caramelized onion dip, I'm telling you. Oh, everybody says there's, there's certain things there that they've got they won't buy anywhere else. Anyway, it's still time to walk over here, drive over here. We've got uh, free donuts. We've got free T-shirts. Check out the lobby of this brand-new bank. It's fantastic looking. You, you've never seen an inside of a credit union or bank before like, like this. Jim, what do we got? Well, Legacy Heating and Air Game Day brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Also by Tim Grouse State Farm Insurance for amazingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Michelob Ultra, locally distributed by United Beverage Company. Michelob Ultra, the superior light beer with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Also by the Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, OSMC, providing orthopedic care to Michiana since 1973. All right. Our next guest is kind to join us. Um, I've known from way back when because he uh, knew my dad, and he is a local product that did good, more than good. All-state quarterback for uh, Mishawaka Marion, and I know you did a good. You're a good baseball player. I think a basketball player too. Anyway, you parlayed that in to becoming part of the 1973 Notre Dame National Championship team. That would be Tom Creevy. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Thanks, Tim and Jim. Nice to meet you, Jim. Like glad to be here today. Well, we're really glad to have you. You know, I, I, we've talked before, but I don't know that I knew this. That uh, was it. Your dad that played for Leahy? Yes, my dad actually was recruited as a baseball player for Jake Klein back in the day in the early '40s, and uh, Frank Leahy asked him to play football too. So he played both baseball and uh, football. He uh, he backed up Angelo Bertelli, who won the Heisman Trophy oh, here, wow. and uh, he was a kicker on the team, so he, he did a great job there. So what kind from, of what, I'm sorry, go ahead. From Clawson, Michigan. So what kind of things did he tell you about Leahy? Because back when the show was back in the first one, I was starting 23 years ago. We had a whole bunch of players every year from the 40s, and that's now we're getting into players get older and or get younger and younger and stuff. But they would always say. The games were easy because the practice were harder than the games were. Yeah, that's exactly what he said. He was a disciplined, very disciplined coach. Uh, I've still got letters from Frank Leahy to my dad during the war. They were both in World War II together. Mm -hmm. And Frank wow. Leahy actually wrote letters to his players during the war. Wow. Just reminding them of uh, how uh, excited he was about getting back to Notre Dame, getting back and being their coach. And... Uh, you know, like most coaches, he loved his players. So did your dad take you to football games and stuff? It was a highlight of my uh, fall, <laughs> Tim. Uh, I remember those, uh, those colored tickets coming in the mail, $5, which was Jeez. a ton of money. <laughs> then. $5 to get in the game, and we went to two games a year, and it was always a big day when we went to those games. So... He, what did he tell you about f football? Because you played a lot of different sports. So did, you said he played baseball and football. football and basketball. My dad uh, uh, was a great three-sport athlete in the Detroit area in Colossal, Michigan. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a leading scorer in basketball f for the state of Michigan his senior year. But he went wow. to Notre Dame to play baseball and football. Um, and he never forced me into any sports. 
but he was always there to, you know, buy the equipment, got me a great uh, baseball mitt, always was there to play catch with me. And, so he encouraged uh, no particular sport, any sport you nothing. wanted to do. He encouraged, he, if, Tom, if you want to do it, I'll be there to help you. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you lead your life. So you get older, you become a star quarterback at Merriam, become um, All-State in the baseball and basketball you're good at. What made you choose the football route? Well, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to earn a scholarship to play football at Notre Dame. I did, didn't have uh, scholarships in the other sports. And I always wanted to go to Notre Dame because uh, I wanted to be like Dad. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was fortunate to be able to, to live out my dream and go to Notre Dame and uh, get a great education and, and play on a national championship team. You sure did. What's, what was the transition for you like going from being a star quarterback in high school to being where everybody's a star coming in at Notre Dame? Well, what people need to understand is back in those days, Era recruited a lot of quarterbacks because he knew they could play multiple positions. Just good athletes all over. And I, when I got here, there were six quarterbacks on our freshman team. Not on, not on oh the my. whole team. I the remember freshman that. Team. Wow. The freshman Jeez. team. We and have we have trouble recruiting one quarterback. No right, has trouble. Right. <laughs> and you know, needless to say, uh, four or five of them moved on to other positions, like myself. And uh, but. You know, it it was all for the team back then. It, you know, you it, you didn't jump into the transfer portal. There was no such thing at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess if you wanted to leave, you could leave. But uh, uh, there's very few places you would have won your the national championship your oh, senior right, year. Right. So, uh, how did you become a defensive end? How did that transpire? Uh, that was quite a journey. I. Uh, Told, met with Arrow one day, and uh, he asked me where I wanted to play, and I said I wanted to play defense. And he said, did you play defense in high school? And uh, I told a little white lie and told him <laughs> I did. And uh, so he played, he moved me that same day practice to defense to an outside linebacker defensive end uh, position. And... Uh, put me through the rigors of that yeah. that day and uh <laughs> it panned out for me Did you have to get so, in training and gain, uh, gain weight <laughs> did they have we believe it or not we had four uh pretty uh quick defensive ends when i played mm -hmm. uh ross browner willie fry myself right. and jim stock mm -hmm. and we were all between at that time 210 and 225 pounds wow okay. so uh the good news is we could all run pretty well and uh so that's uh that's how the notre dame defense uh evolved that year because the previous year we had lost to nebraska mm. and one of the faults of our team was our defense was uh, slower than it that uh, what they said in the ashes of Nebraska. I think it was like a forty to six right. spanking or whatever. Uh, that that's from those ashes is where the, the rose like a phoenix <laughs> <Right>? the next <laughs> year. Uh, and those were Era's exact uh, words in the locker room after Nebraska. That uh, you know from these ashes something's good's gonna 
happened, and uh, we made the full 360 turnaround. So We're visiting with 1973 Notre Dame National Championship defensive end Tom Creevy on Sports Radio 960 as we are live outside the beautiful and brand new Credit Union 1 branch next to and behind Trader Joe's and Eddie Commons. So get out here. Otherwise, Jim and I are going to have to eat all the leftover donuts. There's too many there. We'll send some home with Tom. Tom can help okay. us out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got ten wonderful grandkids. They they love it. Oh, How many like. boxes would you like then? <laughs> so, uh, Tom, let's talk about first your first impression of era. I mean, I know what you're going to say because I've interviewed so many era players, but I always still like to hear it. People don't know what they missed in not knowing era. Well, I had the good fortune uh, to live nearby, so when I was recruited, uh, era was involved in the recruitment. Okay. And uh, we used to go to dinner at Eddie's Restaurant. Eddie's uh, Restaurant. Back in the day. Yes. And uh, uh, era, era enjoyed creamed herring. Creamed and, herring. And uh, that got me turned on to creamed herring, too. So I, now you're... I never had that. And I, it, <laughs> so a little uh, so this day you still side like story <laughs> to this day. And a quiet taste. Day. Or, so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we had a, a, you know, a, a great relationship. Uh, uh Era was, uh, you know, commanded your attention. I mean, he had those piercing eyes, and, uh, you know, when you looked at him, he looked like he was looking right through you, so you, you had to make sure everything was in order when you spoke to Era, but had always had the utmost respect to him. But what a lot of people don't realize is, besides Era being a great coach, he had a great staff. Mm -hmm that followed him from Northwestern and uh, other places he'd been. And uh, the staff uh, was in order for quite a few years when they got here. So they, they coached together for a number of years. And I think that was a real uh, positive for all the players that they saw the same faces every day for four years. Sure. And the coaching staff had great chemistry because they meshed together for all the time that they were here, let alone the players having to play the game and, you know, getting to know your, your teammates over the four-year period. But the coaching staff uh, having great chemistry was a great part of ERA's success. Joe Yanto, was he your position coach? Yeah, Joe Yanto was my position coach. Uh, George Kelly, when I was outside linebacker, uh, and Joe Yanto, defensive end, and both great guys, both Notre Dame guys, and uh, 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 coming from the greatest generation, like your dad, Tim. Mm -hmm. uh, Thank you. Uh, those guys, uh, there's no doubt, uh, those guys who fought in World War II and came from that generation were the greatest generation, and we had the good fortune to be coached by them, both for me in uh, the football world and for somebody like your dad in the business world so well and, and i appreciate i appreciate that um error was errors i was kind of my dad and him kind of i thought always kind of looked in that they, they were distinguished both very distinguished looking gentlemen absolutely uh your dad was a gem uh, uh a great uh executive in the uh industrial relations world uh labor relations uh I learned the trade from him and had a uh, had a uh, very blessed career for 46 years working in uh, human resources and labor relations. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Um, you, son, became an All-State football player at Marion also, correct? Yes. So Connor. you guys just kept passing this down. Man. Right. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, uh, uh, both my sons, uh, Kern and Connor, uh, were, were very good athletes. Kern was a great basketball player. Connor was a great uh, football player. And the uh, uh, best part about it uh, is uh, to this day, uh, you know, they still go to church on Sunday. So uh, that's what I'm proudest of, that my kids and my uh, daughter Brian uh, and her family, uh, they all have families now. They are all uh, uh, go to church on Sunday. So uh, you can't beat that. We're talking with a former Notre Dame member of the Notre Dame 1973 National Championship team, uh, Tom Creevy. Tom, did you ever, did Era uh, ever yell down from his tower at you about anything? Well, we had another individual on the team at the time, Mike Creeny, <laughs> and there was oh, a man. there was a Creeny and a Creevy, <laughs> and uh, our heads were spinning at a lot of the practices, wondering which one he, who he was trying to talk to. So. Uh, what uh, did uh, what did, what position did Creeny play? Tight end. Creeny right? was a tight end. Okay, yeah. all right. Okay. Yeah, because um, it was like if 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 you played both on the defensive line, man, that would have done a number it, on you. So you were and you're right. Era was up in the tower <laughs> yeah. for the practice, and the assistants were on the field. And Era never missed anything. No, I mean, that's what everybody says. He, if you turned around uh, and walked the wrong way, he mm -hmm. knew you, you know who turned around <laughs> and walked the wrong way this play. So. Hey, before you go, uh, let's talk about a, a couple of people that are in our thoughts. And yeah. For you, uh, Frank Crenitti, first of all. Frank Crenitti's uh, 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 suffering an illness right now, and uh, I just want to offer up prayers for him. And I know his former teammates and coaches. Coach Frank was a grad assistant when I was on the team and uh, uh, greatly admired because he played for ERA and uh, had been through, uh, was on the 66 national championship team. And uh, we're just praying for him for a, uh, you know, a quick recovery. And you mentioned earlier about uh, Ross Browner being one of the defensive ends. You were kind of rotating with him. Right. And unfortunately, we lost uh, Ross to uh, COVID in uh, December. Yeah, that's very sad. Ross was one of those players was big as life. And uh, you didn't think... Uh, he would ever pass, uh, you know, being the right. big, strong player he was. Few people realize he was a 200-meter champion in the state of Ohio his senior year. Wow. So uh, he could run down a few quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, shout out to Ross's family, and, uh, you know, prayers are with them. And uh, I'm sure Ross is in a better place because he was a great, not only a great player, but a great individual yes, he when was. he was here. Absolutely. So real, real quick here, about 30 seconds or something. So about this year's Irish. You know, I think they're they're still finding their footing a little bit. Uh, people don't like to hear that. But I, I think it a lot of it boils down to the chemistry of the players and the chemistry of the coaching staff that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a, uh, a lot of variables out yeah. there that are needing to come together. And I think they're going to find themselves. I think Marcus Freeman is the right guy for the job. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't have the experience like an era had coming in. Mm -hmm. But I think he's drinking out of a fire hose right now. And if there's yeah. anybody who can uh, handle it, it's going to be Marcus. And uh, I like the way he treats his players. And uh, he's been great to the alumni. And, uh, you know, I can only wish him uh, best of luck from this point forward. And I, I think uh, they'll get it together yet. Well said, well said. 
Well, time goes fast. We appreciate catching up with you every couple of years and stuff too. And thanks again for coming out. Tim, great being here. I wanted to do a quick shout out to a friend, Jim and uh, his lovely wife, Paula. Jim was a creator of a uh, WF uh, golfing group uh, that we do mm -hmm. in the area here. And Jim, Jim does a great job with that and has been a great friend over the years. And I was supposed to send you greetings from my mom because she does. Oh, she's 98. What she a still sweetheart! She still remembers you. Oh, she, she's a sweetheart. <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, your dad was uh, the, one of the best. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Tim. You're welcome. Thanks. Stay John. with us. We'll be right back after a short break on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. Oh, I just had to play that for my colleague yes. senior. I can still remember you singing it on the air. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sing it any chance I can, I sing this. My, my karaoke go-to. <laughs> We're here at the grand opening of uh, Credit Union 1. There's still donuts here. Some T-shirts. Uh, the too. amount of... I, I, I have never been at an opening of anything where there have been more donuts. The, the amount of donuts here is... Right. I'm so proud of Credit Union 1 for all the donuts they have. <laughs> so proud. They have an investment. Really, really they have makes an investment the, really in makes the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it takes, <laughs> takes it to another level. It's fantastic. We're with Mike Golick Sr. and CEO of Credit One, uh, Todd Gunderson. Mike, i got to ask you about this. Most people probably don't know. 2015, you were inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yes. No. Unfortunately, not as a wrestler. I mean, I would have, I would have liked to have gone in. I did wrestle here. I was going to say, you did wrestle I wrestled college. here at Notre Dame. Uh, okay. Yes, my brother Bob did as well. Uh, I graduated in 85. I think they dropped the program in like 87. That was a bummer. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for wrestling, so I, I, I talked about it a lot on air. And the category is Great American is, is what I'm Okay. In there, right, which is still an honor, yeah. but but you know when you see the wrestlers in there for wrestling, I was like I was jealous. Uh, you know, I, I was a I was a good wrestler, not a great wrestler by any stretch. Um, but uh, that was very cool in Stillwater, uh, Oklahoma. Not shocking uh, for it to be in there or you know Iowa, <laughs> one of the places. Right. I remember one of the first bits uh, are when I started working for ESPN I would go do different stories I did one on Iowa wrestling when Gable was the coach and oh, he wow. let me in for a practice and we were in watching practice and wow I mean just just so intense I mean Dan Gable obviously one of the greatest to ever ever do it, it was very cool so I've I'm got all these additional things that you do in life and I, I think I told you before off air or whatever you have a cookbook a cookbook with Operation Barbecue Relief, which right. is a great organization that goes around uh, to different, when there's a natural disaster, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, you know, storms, whatever, and people are, are um, you know, lose power out of their homes and such, they will go in mass to that area and basically serve food. So you have a lot to worry about uh, for a natural disaster of the things that you lose. And what they don't want you is to worry about is where your next meal is going to come from. So For they sure. take a lot of uh, barbecue pits down there. This was basically started by a guy in Stan Hayes who was a pitmaster champion. Mm -hmm. And he has a lot of uh, pitmasters uh, who will go down and, and cook at these places. And they'll stay for as long as they need to to serve people three squares a day. It's uh, pretty cool. So we decided to help raise money for that. We would do a cookbook and uh, to try and raise money for them. And that was a lot of fun to do. And you took two of the most tasty yeah. items and put them together. I saw a picture of it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Grilled donut s'mores. 
Yeah, that was a tough. That, that's amazing. You, you grill a donut on both sides. You cut it in half. You put Nutella and uh, the marshmallow okay. fluff. Yeah. And then some uh, some um, graham cracker crumbles over the top of it. I mean, it is just. It's a heart attack right there. That is. That is. Eat in moderation, as they say. Then you had some Mojo Grilled Chicken Scoops yep. for the healthy people. Yeah, exactly. If you want to do that before you get your donut, but it was nice because there was a lot of a lot of um, people that I knew, celebrities in the sports world, out of the sports world that that contributed to it. So it was uh, pretty cool. So hopefully we can raise a lot of money with. I'm it. making some plans about that uh, that grilled s'mores. Oh, all right. I've been Ooh. looking ever since I saw the. Picture, I, I don't like think I've, I've been sleeping like I wanna, at night. I want to do that tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it, it works. <laughs> think of how many you could do. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can make a lot there. You can make a lot. You serve could, up the neighborhood. You yeah. sell it on campus for five bucks. <laughs> yeah, pretty five, much. Some, five bucks or whatever. Before we talk about this year's Irish, yeah. uh, tell us what you're doing right now. I know you're kind of back. And you always love doing being an analyst. Yeah, right? I love doing games. So last year I did college games and pro games uh, to try and see which road I was going to go down. And... Um, after the year was over, I, you know, I decided, you know, we got great, the house here at Notre Dame, we got great seats for the game. I said, you know what, I'm going to enjoy uh, the game weekends and not, not do college games anymore. My son Mike has done college games forever. He's still doing them. I know. Uh, that's why I can't get him yeah, back on the show. I know, exactly. <laughs> so I'm doing NFL games. The national uh, uh, broadcast uh, uh, radio is Westwood One. So I do the, this year I have the, the, the Sunday night games. A couple I have off, like this Sunday I'm not doing one. Uh, but I've been traveling around doing the Sunday night games. I go to, to the site and then um, I'll do the playoffs in the Super Bowl for Westwood One. And then uh, my son and I both work with DraftKings. Mm -hmm. DraftKings, not, you know, we, we understand it's obviously a gambling app, but they want to, they're trying to branch to sports shows as well. Okay. So Mike does a, pod, a sports pod show right. every day. I do one every week. We do stuff with uh, Metal Arc, the Lebetard, uh, and, and Stu Gott's group of, of podcasts. It's a podcast world now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, yeah, it is. So yeah. we, do, we do a decent amount of that. Uh, but I love calling games. I mean, push comes to shove, if everything were even, college, the atmosphere, is, to me, is a lot better in college. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the surrounding, the tailgating and everything. But, uh, boy, to get to some of those games, like Mike's doing Penn State, you got to fly into Pittsburgh and drive two and a half hours. You know, <laughs> right, right, you fly yeah. in, you drive to Stillwater. You, you drive don't miss to that, right? it's, I do not that. miss that. No, <laughs> not at all. You mentioned tailgates, though. Better tailgate, college or Buffalo? Oh, I still think college overall. <laughs> okay. I mean, Buffalo's crazy. You know, I'm, I'm, not dive, I'm not diving on a table that's on fire. They're, all, they're insane. I mean, they are nuts. And, and I never really got to tailgate much, quite honestly, playing and then calling games. You don't get time, yeah. to, time to tailgate. Plus, I couldn't tailgate for as long as these people do. But college tailgating is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the different areas, like in Mississippi, you know, they, white linens and, and oh, really yeah. nice, yeah. you know, china, and they yeah. dress up. Which I still don't understand, but it's cool. They love it, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, college tailgating, I think, is just fantastic. Tim Grawl, Jim Irisari, talking Notre Dame football and more with I'll put this in there again. National Wrestling Hall of Famer <laughs> Mike Golick, <laughs> Senior. I think I read somewhere where you had some choice comments about NFL officiating. Well, mostly on the uh, on the roughing the passer, just because there were some bad calls uh, that went on with that. Listen. The NFL is going toward being safer, and I understand. You know, when, when I was playing, literally if you got popped in the head and you, they put up two fingers and you said three, they'd be close enough and you'd play. Right. We just didn't have as much information. Yeah. And as we found out, the league hit a little bit of information. That's why that big <laughs> suit went on. But yeah. still, there wasn't as much information as there is now. Listen, when I was growing up, nobody wore a seatbelt in a car. 
now we've learned, you know, it's pretty smart to do. Yeah, now I never yeah. see anybody not buckle up. So we learn more. So I get some of the rule changes of the hits, you know, the, the big hits that, that used to be on every show imaginable. Now you get a flag yeah. for them. I just think sometimes they go too far the other way. Now, again, you know, I get it because it's all in the, the voice of safety for the players, long-range safety, because we've learned more. But, man, I, I just – some of the roughing that the passer calls. I mean, all the, the – the, and it's like it's not a secret. All the, the rules are skewed to the offense because they yeah. want it to be an offensive right. show for the fans. So I get that. But, I mean, how many ways can you screw the defense? Yeah. I mean, right. the, the yeah. toughest job has to be these DBs now. I mean, yeah. you can't do anything anymore. Right. Uh, so it's difficult. And then, my God, I mean, you, you land on the quarterback a little bit, they throw a flag. Yeah. <laughs> the way Grady Jarrett just kind of rolled over and tossed yeah. Brady, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then Chris Jones. That just looked like a tackle to Chris me. Chris Jones right. tackles Derek Hart, strips him with the ball, and puts his hand out so he doesn't land his full body weight on him. And I get the refs are seeing it bang, bang. So yeah. we may have to get to the point where we're reviewing that because it can cost you. If that's yeah. third down, all of a sudden the offense keeps the ball. You know, and and you know it can cost you points. So yeah, it costs the Falcons in that yeah, game. It yeah, it gets it gets a little much for me. So I think they go over the top a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. Look how yeah, look how quickly they rewrote their concussion protocol rules after right. Tua. Yeah. Right. Well, okay, let's do something with you know roughing the passer, but they won't because you know it hurts the offense. Right. So you know, I, so yeah, I I have issue of time with it. Yeah. All right. So you're the team captain of the Notre Dame defense this this year going into this game. What are you telling your teammates? Well, I mean, I, I think it's more about our team than any team we're playing, right? Now, UNLV, listen, uh, so they come in, they're, they're above 500, what, they're 4-3. and three. Mm-hmm. you got to see if a Brumfeld, a Brumfield, the, the quarterback, Doug Brumfield, is going to play. He was in concussion protocol. And the two, he was in for a, uh, half of the game against San Jose State, and then he missed the Air Force game, and the offense only put up seven points in both games. So this is a guy. Big kid, 6'5", about 230, yeah. can hum the ball around, has rushed for five touchdowns. They got a good receiver in Ricky White. Uh, he's, you know, the main guy. Kid Robbins running the ball, has eight touchdowns. So the offense was humming along when this kid's a quarterback. So he's kind of he's been in protocol, concussion protocol, so is he going to be there? That That's going to be a big question. But really for Notre Dame, Notre Dame to me is a better team. Notre Dame to me was a better team than Stanford. That doesn't mean you win games. You still have to go out and execute. Right. Right. I know people started, you know, jump us on, on Marcus. Well, he says it every week. You have to execute. My thought is, you go to any college or pro coach, and they right. will use the word execute ten times because that's what you need to do. They you use it to, in business all you, the time. You, you yeah. have to execute, you know. And and I know uh, that they've been jumping on the O coordinator and D, and D coordinator Al Golden and uh, Tommy Reese and those two. Like doing what they should, they they pull the thumb. They're taking responsibility, and but but like anything else, it doesn't fall on one side. It could be the coaches with the game plan. It could be the players execute. Like I said earlier, I always put more on the players because you have to execute on the field. You know, there are times when the defensive personnel is there to make a play and they miss a tackle. Well, right, yeah. that's not on the D coordinator. And then there are times when you know it, maybe the game plan isn't isn't going through what it should go through and, and you find holes in it. Nobody's ever called a perfect game right. as a coach and no player has ever played a perfect game. So you're going to have mistakes. What you need to do is minimize those mistakes, not make the same mistakes over and over. That's where you start to show improvement. And this is a team that's just, you know, you've played with a backup quarterback since basically game two. 
And, you know, you're going from there. You have one legitimate big-time threat in Michael Mayer, and you're trying to figure out who the other guys mm -hmm. are going to be. I like the backfield uh, that they have kind of by committee there. Defensively, they know they're missing some tackles and giving up some big plays, but, you know, at other times they're playing really well. The word I, I've used for them right now is, is just inconsistent. At times they yeah. play really well, and at times they don't. You just have to try and get more consistent, and hopefully that's what they'll do today. Sounds like a good game plan. Todd Gunderson, CEO of Credit Union One. We've got about a minute. Tell us why CU One. Well, I think why CU One is that if you love Notre Dame and you love American apple pie, then you should bank with us because we're the only ones who have. There the, you go. We're the only. Strike ones, up the band. That's right. We're, we're the only ones who have the Notre Dame, you know, fighting Irish debit mm -hmm. card. So if you know, like I said, if you believe in God, country, and Notre Dame, then I would think you'd want to bank with us. I have my card that has the, the <laughs> helmet up being held, so there's a lot. Of, what eight different types? There's of, eight different kinds yeah, yeah. that you can come in and support it, and then you know, with the partnership with the Golik Foundation, like we brought up earlier, for everybody who comes down and gets one, you're you're helping a good cause. Where two hundred dollars is getting donated on your behalf to the Golik Foundation that stays right here in the South Bend community. So as my kids would joke, unless you hate Notre Dame, I would think that you'd want to bank yeah, with us. Yeah, it's very cool with Todd and Credit Union <laughs> One. They donate 100000 every year to the Golick Family Foundation, and then we'll make some money on the golf tournament as well. We're just looking to help as many people as we can in the, this area, Michiana, Chicagoland area. So it's, uh, it's been great. Well, we appreciate both of you being here with us today. It uh, was a special show, right, Jim? Yeah, very absolutely. Special. And good luck. We'll see you one. Good luck with your broadcasting. Thanks. Your Appreciate it. Hopefully there will be a good post-game show here today. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Knock on uh, plastic. Yeah. We'll be right back. Hey, next Saturday's game against Syracuse does not have a uh, kickoff time yet, so stay tuned to WSBT all week for the exact time. For Jim Arizari, this is Tim Growl. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Go Irish. This has been Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, only on the home of Notre Dame football. Sports Radio 960 WSBT and WSBTRadio.com. Brought to you by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Sherwood Tire, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, Pet Refuge, Centier Bank, Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, Michelob Ultra, OSMC, Imperial Furniture, Lozier, Pella Windows, and Hotel Elkhart. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.